Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff. This show is heard on WBCQ The Planet every Monday and Thursday evening, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also hear this show on Podomatic, Amazon, and a whole bunch of other platforms once we upload them. It is brought to you by Camp Constitution, which, among other things, runs a week-long family camp. And this year's camp will be held where it's been held since 2020 at the Singing Hills Christian Camp and Retreat Center in Plainfield, New Hampshire. We've got a great lineup of instructors, lots of fun activities for the whole family. So uh, for more information, visit our website, campconstitution.net. And we also have a ladies retreat coming up in early May. (coughs) Excuse me. In early May. And we have uh, a family retreat coming up in late September, also in New Hampshire. So uh, please, again, uh, check out our website for more information. And if you check out our website, look at our, at our camp sponsors. Uh, these are the good folks that help make this show possible, as well as our activities, our camp programs, and our year-round activities. Uh, so uh, consider being one if you have a business or nonprofit that is pretty much aligned according to our pr- perspective. Uh, we consider becoming a for a hundred dollars a year. You can have a uh, your um, your little information about your your company or your organization, and hopefully you'll get uh, some good solid leads out of it, and it will help us uh, keep us on the air and keep us uh, doing what we do. In fact, one of the things that we've been doing on a regular basis since we've started was uh, giving out pocket copies of the U.S. Constitution. These are the particular ones that we use mostly come from the um, organization based in Idaho called the Center for Constitutional Studies. It was founded by Mr. Cleon Skousen many years ago. And when we won our our lawsuit against the city of Boston back in May of uh, last year, 2022, a friend uh, rewarded us by sending us 5,000 pocket copies. We already had several thousand in inventory, and we've looked for opportunities to donate these. We use these on it. We use these year round. I'm always distributing them, giving them out to people. They see my my Camp Constitution van. and they'll come over, and I always hand them out. But we gave some to the Laconia, New Hampshire High School and Junior High School, um, friends with one of the school committee members, and she asked if we could do that, and I said, sure. So she donated, on our behalf, 1100 A couple of years ago, we donated... We donated, um, I think it was 1200 to the Manchester, New Hampshire High School. We also leave off uh, these constitutions at some local library. So we usually restock every, you know, every so many weeks or months as needed. And we hand them out at our events. If we're in a parade, we'll hand them out in a parade. And uh, last year, we didn't do the St. Patrick's Parade this year. We uh, didn't have the uh, the trailer available with the cannon. So we thought, oh. We don't want to just have the van, but uh, we'll we'll pass out thousands of these uh, constitutions. And I think since our inception, we probably distributed well over twenty five thousand pocket copies of the Constitution. Now, just passing out constitutions is all well and good. I mean, you could uh, rent a plane and throw them out, <laughs> throw them out on, on the countryside. 
But I'd like to believe that a lot of people aren't just getting them, but are actually reading them and learning, asking questions. And of course, we have uh, many videos on our YouTube channel and our Rumble channel and um, our BitChute channel with videos uh, of, of our instructors teaching people about this great constitution. So, uh, so, and I want to talk a little bit about something called Sockdologer, uh, or Not Yours to Give. This is a free market classic essay, and it's not that, it's only about 14 to 15 pages in, in, uh, in print, in about 14 size print. I, the reason why I want to bring this up is uh, Janet Yellen, Secretary of Treasury, she flew to Ukraine and she handed, basically handed Zelensky uh, a, a check, an open-ended check. Here, you just fill in what you just fill in the zeros, <clears throat> you know. And and when they, when you check when you cash this, there's more if you want. And I'm thinking, well, a treasurer of the United States, that's not his or her job to fly to foreign countries to pledge uh, amount of uh, money uh, and just uh, unlimited amounts of money. And we're told that we're fighting democracy in um, or we're not fighting. We're preserving democracy in this part of the world. And it's our vital interest that we do so. Well, first off, Putin is a, I have no I have no love for Putin. Don't get me wrong. He's a thug. He's a KGB man. And I believe once KGB, always KGB. He might be uh, he may not be crazy about the homosexual and LGBTQ, ABCD plus community. and he might be more protective of the Orthodox Church, where the other communists were rather brutal towards him. But that doesn't mean I'm going to embrace him. He's not a really good guy, and he's not a liberty guy, that's for certain. Uh, and yeah, he was aggressive in the Ukraine, but it's not our war. We are not the policemen of the world. That's not one of the job descriptions of uh, members of any branch of the federal government is to be a policeman of the world. It's not in the constitution. Uh, and by the way, Zelensky is, uh, he, he's outlawed uh, all other political parties. He has complete control of the press. And now he's locking up priests and members of the, uh, he's actually closing Orthodox Ukrainian churches. That is not my idea of a uh, progressive Democrat. He's basically a thug, and he's a corrupt thug like the ones he's replaced over the years. And I do feel for the Ukrainian people. They're fine people. They don't deserve this. Uh, They don't deserve the bad leadership. But just like we have in our country, we tend to vote bad people into office. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this. So this Sockdology, it's also referred to as Not Yours to Give, a tale of Davy Crockett in which the old Tennessee bear hunter meets up with the Constitution of the United States. Now, we have the, we sell these on our online shop, I think just a few dollars, uh, and I think we may have them as a free download. If you go to our download section, you should see a free download of this. So I do recommend you read it, whether you want to buy them. You can buy a batch of them from us. We'll, uh, we'll give you a nice, if you want a big batch of them, just con- go to our website, campconstitution.net, and and request, you know, if say you want 10 or 20 or 100, you know, we'll give you a good price. We, uh, we, we have a lot of these and they don't do me any good sitting in my shed. I want them distributed. So Davy Crockett, before he was killed at the Alamo in 1836, served in as a member of Congress from 1827 to 31 and then again from 32 to 35. I think when he lost his reelection, he said, uh, the hell with Tennessee, I'm going to Texas or something like that. But 
he was now some of this his might be a little historic license. Uh, there might be, uh, I don't know if there was a real man by the name of Horatio Bunce, but I think it's for the most part true. Uh, so the story is um, he voted to support, uh, there was a fire in Georgetown, uh, which is part of D.C., and Congress raised money to to fund some relief. And again, this is how the story goes. Uh so Crockett was in favor of that. So he's on the campaign trail and he meets this uh, sort of humble looking guy, uh, Horatio Bunce. He didn't know who he was. Uh, Horatio Bunce was very, very knowledgeable about the Constitution and he knew about Davy Crockett's voting record. Most people don't today or even back then. And he said that, hey, Mr. Mr. Crockett, I'm sure you're an honorable man. He said, I voted for you last time, but I can't do it again. And he said, why not? He said, because... You and I have a different view of the Constitution. And he said, you get you voted to support money. And it was 20000 which was a lot of money back then. And that may have been close to, uh, I don't know, three-fourths of a million today. He said it wasn't – and Crockett thought, well, gee, you know, there was a horrible disaster. But people needed this help. He said – and Bunce basically said the money in the Treasury is for purposes outlined in the Constitution – and for that purpose only. He said, if you can give money to the victims of a Georgetown fire, you can give money to victims of any fire anywhere in the country and, and any other reason. And Crockett was a little, he says, wow. He said, uh, you're right. He was a little convicted. So he said, I'll be back here next week. And Bunce said, I'll, I'll put on a time for you, put on a barbecue. So he got back the following week. And he mentioned how much he learned from Bunce and that he uh, voted the wrong way and he won't do it again. And then uh, he gets reelected and he and Bunce became good friends. Uh, and, and and Bunce was almost like somewhat of an advisor to him. And so a bill comes up to give a, a War of 1812 widow a, a pension. And that would be the widow of Stephen Decatur, who was a famous uh, hero of uh, the War of 1812. And at that time, uh, the U.S. government wasn't giving pensions to widows. It just didn't happen. There was no veterans benefits, uh, so it was not constitutional. Uh, so uh, he voted, and he, he got up and gave a little speech, and he said that I'm the poorest man here, but I will give her a month's salary, and if everybody did that, it would more than compensate for what we plan to give her, what this bill entails. Uh, nobody ponied up any money, but the vote uh, was was defeated. And so uh, she didn't get her pension. That was not her, not the members. Do, 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 do. Now, now back to 2023, the, the New American Magazine uh, has what they call the Freedom Index. And if you go to their website, uh, thenewamerican.org, and you just, you'll see a little uh, option for the Freedom Index. or so just put in New American Freedom Index. It'll come right up. And if you're living in any of the 50 states of the United States, you can put in uh, your state and you can find how your members of Congress have voted. And I think it goes back, if it goes back maybe 15 or 20 years. So it goes back quite a ways. And the basis of the voting record is the Constitution. So somebody who votes in consistent with the Constitution will get 100. Someone who does not gets a zero. And it's really, really eye-opening to see how many people who are passed off as these hardcore conservatives score about a 65 or a 60 
Now, I live in New Hampshire, and while we're sort of a perp, we should be a lot brighter than uh, than's reflected at the national level, but uh, because of our um, same-day registration, which uh, we're working on, in fact, we did pass a law that went into effect this year that would make it much easy, much more difficult to get a ballot without showing a. Um, so what they do is they you ask for a provisional ballot if you can't show that you're a resident. You vote, and then you have so many days to uh, come back and say, "Okay, here's my license with my address on it uh, that says I live in New Hampshire," and this, uh, or not, the the vote the votes aren't counted. So that should help somewhat. It won't do away with all the fraud, but so anyway, if you look at my state, so I uh, I punch in, uh, and we have two members of the House representatives, and we have two senators, of course, and they vote pretty much horrible. Um, Chris Pappas, who was a two-term, he just got reelected. He got in by a relatively narrow margin. And he's a six in the last four years. Now, 23, they haven't accumulated the votes yet. They haven't tallied them up yet. Uh, but from, uh, from 17 to 22, he votes an average of 6%. six percent. That's imagine if he came home from school when he was a school's high school student or junior high school student and his test papers were six. Uh, he wouldn't probably be his parents wouldn't be too happy. But for some reason, the voters of New Hampshire, again, with some possible voting fraud, returned him. And if you look at the, some of the things that he supported. So what this this index does, it takes the votes. I think I think it might take 10 or 20 of the most the most egregious votes, the, one, the most expensive and unconstitutional. In some cases, they may not be money votes, but it'd be just uh, like, for example, to codify something referred to as same-sex marriage. That's not that's not a goal of Congress. That's not their job. So while that may not have costed a whole, the taxpayers billions of dollars, it was still a, a, an unconstitutional measure. So, so things like that will be tossed in there from time to time. And what's nice is that there's actually a, a, a bulletin that's available in a PDF format, and you can simply download it and print them out and get them out to people in your community, even start a local uh, committee uh, and just make these available. And uh, you can take that information, do what you want with it. It's all public information anyway. It's not like uh, uh, the New American has a special uh, in with the members of Congress. They just take the, uh, the votes as they go, and they... Um, each vote has a estimated what it's going to cost for the length of the bill to be implemented. And then they take the uh, what it costs per household. So they average all the whole households of the United States and say, hey, this is what it's going to cost. This bill, once it becomes law, will cost this much. So it's interesting to look at this. I looked at um, Senator John Kennedy, whom I really like. I see him on, on the news a lot. He's very, he's a very clever guy, very intelligent. He comes across as this country bumpkin. He's got this wise, this southern drawl, but he's he's really a smart guy. But he's only like a 68. 68, that's barely, what, a C plus. That's not good. That's, that's not, he's not consistent uh, with, the, uh, with the Constitution. Rand Paul, on the other hand, from Kentucky, he's a 95. And uh, Thomas Massey, uh, his colleague in the House, he's a 99. Uh, so that's a quite quite a difference. So a 99 or a 95, I could be comfortable, pretty comfortable with. Uh, all of New England, I looked at, we only have one Republican that's elected to Congress in, uh, in New England. And uh, she, Susan Collins from Maine, and she gets a th- accumulation of 35. Now she's been there a while, 
but she's a 35. The last two years, she was a 35 on her. So she votes with the left 65% of the time. Yet she calls herself a, well, she doesn't call herself a, a right-wing extremist, of course. But you think, okay, you might be a fiscal conservative, but you're not a fiscal because you're voting for big government. And the sad thing is most Americans who uh, go to the ballot box every two years or four years, they simply are ba- they're basing their vote in many cases on the attack ads they see on YouTube or whatever network they watch. They don't base it on voting records. They don't base it on, they might hear an ad that the, you can't, that the campaign supports or a, a political action or super, they call super PACs, political action committees. Now, a political action committee acts independent of a candidate. They have to. It's legally. They can't even communicate with a candidate. So if they're backing uh, if they're backing Susan Collins' opponent, for example, they'll run attack ads against her. So it's not that you're uh, they're, they're advocating that you vote for her opponent. They're just saying how rotten and evil she is. Uh, Caroline Levitt, she was a great candidate. She worked in the Trump administration as a, in the press secretary's office. Twenty-five-year-old gal, very good. Yeah, she but you know she knows her way around D.C. at that twenty at twenty-five years. Uh, she won in the primary by a pretty good margin, and her the own her own party went after her in the primary. They went after um, uh, General Baldock, who was running uh, for Cong- he, uh, for the Senate. He won the primary, but the Republican Party, the National Party, spent millions of dollars to try to defeat him because they were going for a more moderate uh, person. And during the uh, campaign, uh, his uh, his opponent Randy's t- ridiculous attack ads. It had uh, one particular attack ad. It had this uh, very, very obese man sitting in his living room. And he's saying, Bulldog's going to take away my Social Security. He's not good for New Hampshire. Well, that's the problem. When uh, when everybody's promised stuff from the federal government, I, I get Social Security. I voted for Bulldog. If he wants to reform Social Security, I don't get as much. I'm, I, I'd rather get less Social Security and have a free country than have a, uh, become a, a socialist slave state. With a with a with a social security, where the money isn't going to buy much anymore, uh, and I'm just and so many people just rely on these. Uh, there was one attack ad against Caroline Levitt about a picture she when she was in high school or junior high school. I mean, high school or college. It was a picture of her on on, on spring break. Nothing and nothing terribly inappropriate. Just having fun, you know. And they'll think these are the standards. Well, her Chris Pappas is a married to a so has same sex marriage. You know, uh, she didn't run any attack ads against him for this, for his that kind of behavior. You look at some of these loathsome people that are elected and reelected to Congress every two or six years. Look at Ted Kennedy. I mean, he was a rapist. He was uh, he left the scene of an accident. This woman died. He didn't. It wasn't um, it wasn't first degree murder, but it was definitely vehicular homicide. Leaving, and he gets a slap on the wrist and he's elected every six years to the day he dies. <clears throat> then you got Bill Clinton, another one, uh, not, not just having, uh, not committing, a, not just adultery, but a number of cases, uh, it was basically rape. And he got away with it and he gets reelected and people still love him. You know, so we, we elect him. Oh, Barney Frank, he was a former congressman from uh, Newton, Massachusetts. He was running a homosexual brothel out of his apartment in Washington, D.C. He said he didn't know anything about it. You kidding me? This guy is supposed to be so smart. He's running a brothel. He can't reelect it. 
So uh, you can be a picture of a gal having a good time at a spring break, you know, and again, nothing, she wasn't doing anything uh, illegal or even, uh, I don't even think it was even inappropriate, you know, just having fun and look at her. She's not serious. Well, this is, this is what they do. If we're run, if our nation is dependent upon attack ads, we are in, well, we know we're in serious trouble as it is, but it just, uh, it's just upsetting me when I see these stupid attack. Now, Hey, if a candidate has done something, I think people should be run should run on their record. If you have a record, that's what you go after, and that's why this uh, freedom index is so important. I encourage people thenewamerican.com slash freedom index, and then get busy. Uh, it's interesting is that you see these people that want to have term limits and they'll make the case that we have all these well-entrenched incumbents and they get every two years or six years, they get reelected. They, they're not good members of Congress. And, and they'll say that the vast majority of the American people want term limits. Well, our founders gave us term limits every two years, frequent elections. So you can have a complete term. Uh, well, they say, well, it doesn't work. Elections don't work. Well, they certainly do. Well, we have plenty of times where bad people have been kicked out of office, not just at the federal level, but all over the country. And in some cases, the well-entrenched incumbent with the big war chest still loses. But what this, what a term limit amendment would do would simply make us less engaged. Oh, well, now that term limits will kick in, we've got nothing to worry about. So these same people that are complaining about these incumbents, you ask them, what have you done to make a difference? Do you even vote? So maybe you vote, maybe you put a sign, you even put a sign for your candidate in front of your house, if you can, or a bumper sticker on your car. Do you write letters to the editor, uh, uh, either going after the incumbent for the voting record or supporting the one that's uh, your candidate? Do you even do that? No, most people don't do anything but complain. And then they wonder why, you know, wonder why these rotten people get reelected because you're not engaged. So there's no quick fix here, folks. And yes, let's say that term limits. Now, the term limits amendments that I've seen proposed call for two six-year terms for members of the U.S. Senate and six two-year terms. So that's 12 years, if that my, my old school math is, is, is effective. That's 12 years. So if we held a, if, if we held a convention which would be in the convention stuck to one issue, term limits, which is not going to happen. But if they did, by the time they, it got ratified by the states, you need uh, three fifths of the states. By the time it got ratified, it might take a year or two years. So now you're talking 14 years, it may be even 15, depending on when the election's held. So in 15 years, the term limits will kick in. Isn't that great? So Nancy Pelosi probably will no longer be with us. She, uh, but, uh, but it, with Nancy Pelosi, you know, oh, well, she's been there so long, she needs to be limited out. Her district's 90% Democrat. So who's going to replace her? Someone, you know, some patriot, some conservative, or maybe someone just like her or worse. The only difference is the one who replaces a Nancy Pelosi, if we had term limits, would be of her same mindset. She may not, she, he or she may not be as influential because once you've been around a long time, you know the ropes, you have connections, you can raise money, but the vote will be just as bad. And that's really the, where the action is, is the vote. You vote, you vote the wrong way. So, and, uh, and these, these, so it's really frustrating. Thankfully here in New Hampshire, uh, the term limit, the uh, article five resolution uh, application was defeated and again, you cannot limit 
a, a Article Five convention. But here, the um, and some people think, oh yeah, we'll just have term. We can just have a term limit um, uh, convention. But it was defeated because the people, a lot of people, are, are catching on. It was defeated by a very comfortable margin. Unfortunately, some uh, too many Republicans still think you can have a limited convention, and uh, and it's interesting. These term limits would only apply to Congress. Why don't they turn around and apply term limits to themselves? And all of these elected officials that have been there more than 12 years should automatically step down if they're really sincere about term limits. And by the way, term limits um, didn't do so good in Maine. They, they limit the governor to two four-year terms, and then they can't run for re-election. They have to sit out uh, a four years. So Governor LePage, who I thought was a pretty good governor, Republican, you know, he had his problems, but he was a whole lot better than what they have now. So he he couldn't run the third for a third term. Now there's no no guarantee that he would have won, but he sat out, and this really evil, wicked woman, Janet Mills, got elected, and she locked down the state, and uh, they have grocery tax. Can you imagine grocery attacks on food in a poor state like Maine? They got it through. And so they're starting to get a they got a statewide plastic bag ban. Uh, so that's what happens when you you vote for evil people. And, uh, that, uh, and so LePage did try to win, win back the governorship, but he didn't win. He ran uh, in the last election and, and didn't win. Uh, but but anyway, uh, term limits is not the solution, folks. As I, I should say an, a term limit amendment is not the solution. We need more people engaged run for office, support candidates, make a donation to their campaign, and make the donation directly to the Don't give it to the national committee or the state committee. Give it right to the candidate because that money, it's just like when you're giving charity. A lot of these fundraising groups, uh, for example, what's that one? United Way. Well, if you give a dollar to the United Way and you earmark it for your favorite charity, they only get your favorite charity only gets about 20%. So for every dollar you give, your charity gets 20, 20 cents. The administrative cost of the United Way get the rest. A lot of these fundraising entities, most of the money is used to cover their expenses and enrich their their uh, their CEOs. It doesn't go. I'm, I, I'm told that one of the best entities to give to is the uh, Salvation Army because m- almost all uh, there's a little bit for admin. Obviously, you won't have a building; you got to keep it heated or cooled in the summertime, and you have a staff. But that's one of the best entities to give to, as far as um, you know, going a lot with your buck. But when it comes to campaigns, uh, give it directly to the candidates and make sure it's the legitimate. You know, so many uh, this. Many, if you're activists, you're getting emails from all kinds of different, and you think you get an email from Ron Paul, for example. Well, that may not be Ron Paul writing an email. You might get a letter from Donald Trump. That may not be Donald Trump. He, uh, he may approve of that email, but you got to make sure that you're not donating to some false front. Just an example um, when we filed our lawsuit back in 18, uh, there was a lot of uh, law media coverage, and there was this uh, group, conservative group, that had made reference to it, and they were raising funds not for our legal fees, but for themselves. <laughs> I got I, I reached out to them, and they didn't respond. So a lot of times, this is uh, these people do things like that: help us fight for Christian values and donate. They they so they use our case 
and our issue, our momentum, and people, some they might have got donations, and the people think, oh, they're helping Camp Constitution's legal fees. By the way, pro, uh, our legal fees were all pro bono, so we didn't have we didn't have any legal fees. Uh, we didn't pay any legal fees. The city of Boston had to end up paying two point one million dollars, but we didn't. Well, we're running a little bit out of time. I just once again want to encourage people to visit our website, campconstitution.net. Look at our sponsor sponsors page. And if you like any of the services or uh, things that they provide, please uh, do business with them. Uh, if you want to consider it, uh, if you have a nonprofit, it could be a nonprofit that you may not directly, uh, you might be a member of it. You may not be a staff member, but you support it. Uh, with their permission, you can put them up on our site or if you have a business. And as long as it's something that's consistent with our worldview, uh, you know, we're not going to be selling uh, marijuana. Uh, we're not going to be promoting Planned Parenthood on our website. But things that we'll be consistent with, uh, we'd love to have you as a sponsor for $100 uh, a year. And we have some of our sponsors. We don't we don't send out invoices. We just say, hey, you know, help us when you can. So anyway, thank you for listening. You've been listening to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff. And this show is heard Mondays and Thursdays, WBCQ The Planet. And by the way, WBCQ could use your support too. They do a great job and they're looking, always looking to have new programs on their show. So contact them as well. With that, until next week, may God richly bless you.